Yo, welcome to the Zillionaires Podcast, where we mainly talk about Seattle-related sports topics and other things as well. I'm your host and moderator, Solo, from Brooklyn. What up, what up, y'all? This is Chisler from Seattle, Washington. They call me the wizard of Washington sports. Every night I gaze into my crystal ball and see the future of what's going down. What's up, guys? This is Krusty from Yakima. I wear my fandom on my sleeve. I get crazy, I get emotional, and I like to throw down ultimatums. Let's have some fun. Fellas, we're back. Episode 9, international tour, because I am overseas on an island between England and France called Jersey. I don't know if you guys have even heard of this place. I've never heard of it. I've been to New Jersey. Exactly. What I heard today <laughs> is that what I, heard, I heard that New Jersey was named after this place, well, which is like crazy. And you know what's yeah. funny? When so we landed here today, they were like... Is there a lot of muscle head guys walking around in wife beaters and tattoos like Jersey? That was, that was the joke. We were like, oh, so it's a lot like the Jersey Shore. We're going to see the situation. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> but... So uh, when we landed today, it's a tiny island, by the way. It's like it's and if you look on the map, it's right outside of France. It's you can swim to France from here, but it's owned by by uh, England. And apparently it's swapped back and forth between Britain and England or Britain and France. And uh, right now it's owned by uh, the UK. And um, they were saying um, that it is British owned, but French ruled or some weird stuff like that. Like it's basically France in a weird way. People speak French here and they they even have their own money here and it's got French on it and the queen. It's really strange. Crazy. But it's this tiny, tiny little Island. And, um, apparently it was, it's really rich and, uh, you have to have a half a million dollars in your bank account to, uh, move here. If you want to move to this Island, like you have to prove it. So, obviously, we're all moving here next year, right? So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be the new uh, studio home of the podcast Zillionaires when we're, when yeah. we're rich. Exactly. So, we got Chisler in uh, Seattle. He's back with us, looking good out there. <laughs> How you feeling, Chisler? <laughs> He's doing good. I, I, we have something to shoot for now. I think we do. We should have the podcast from our own private island. Yeah, I think right. that's exactly that's definitely something to shoot for now that you've given me that idea. <laughs> Krusty's still holding it down strong in Yakima, although you're at camp right now, right? Yeah, I'm up in the mountains now, um, working on working on mountain uh, <coughs> internet here. So hopefully, it comes out good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, spending my summers up in the mountains like normal. It's, it's awesome. Nice. Another thing I like to mention is if you listened to the listeners, if you listened to the last uh, episode. I mentioned that we were done for eight weeks. Psych! <laughs> we had we had podcasts on the brain though that we've we've forced solo into figuring a way out to make this happen. So our our listeners demanded. It, they did. They were like, "When are you guys coming back on?" We had the Tic Tac shout out to Tic Tac four four four. Is that his name, Chisley? <laughs> her name? Four fours, I think. Yeah. Tic Tac four 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 yeah. four four. Quad four. Which is cool. <laughs> Shout you know, out for that. And nice. Honestly, if you are out there listening and you grew up with us, which I feel like is the most of the people listening, um, <clears throat> family members or people who know us, but 
Uh, but if you're out there, jump on there. Give us a review and give us some five stars. Help us, uh, yeah. Help us feel rad and let us know that people are actually listening. Or, or tell us, to, yeah. Or tell us to go to hell, but just give us a review, one way or the other. At, at least, like, at least just click the five star, even if you don't like it. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Or um, yeah, do both. Click the five star and tell us to f off at the same time. Either way. Exactly. Although I don't, I don't know if you can put bad reviews on iTunes. I think they kind of. I think they review the reviews. I don't think you can say. It's not like YouTube comments. When are we going to upload all these on YouTube? That's the next level. Yeah. You can also now. just like get a hold of us and just talk to us in face to face. I don't want to talk to <laughs> You don't have to go through the iTunes in order to have a conversation <laughs> with us, people. Uh, leave me alone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can just look up Sleazy Dude and Solo's number will come up. <laughs> and if you look up Beer and Yakima, Krusty's mugshot will come up. So. <laughs> We're not hard to find. Wait, wait, wait which one are you, Chisler? <laughs> you didn't do you. <laughs> if you look up Crystal Ball in Washington. Yeah, Wizard of Washington Sports, my name will come up. Yeah. When are you going to start that Facebook page? I can't wait for that one. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a fan club, the Wizard of Washington Sports Fan Club on Insta- on Facebook. <laughs> When we have when we get through the season and and we have some hard data about my predictions on the you know on the record predictions and the impact and truth of those uh, predictions c- coming into effect later, then and I have hard data and I can put it in front of the listeners, then then we can make that website. Well, that, I believe that, like your re- predictions were that they were going sixteen website. and zero. Yeah, I want I want percentages. I want to yeah. I'll jump on those daily fantasy. I, actually, we should talk about daily fantasy right now for a little half second. All right. <clears throat> you know, there's some real money at stake there. People actually have to uh, back up their opinions. I think it takes fantasy to that next level if you really, really uh, get into it. What do you guys think? DraftKings. What's that? DraftKings, yeah, is that where you like you pick like the players each week? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know some guys that do that definitely, and they they like are addicted to it. Chisler, have you have you done any daily? I've never put money up, no. But okay, I definitely so- want to bring that to the. I want to bring that to our fantasy league. The more the idea of the weekly payouts for uh, certain categories and stuff. <laughs> So I I played uh, probably like four times last year uh, daily just to kind of get a feel for it and see what it's all about. Um, I don't know. I I'm I'm pretty mixed on it and really strongly mixed on it. Like I have strong emotions both ways. Um, it was fun because of the ability to you know not have your star quarterback that you drafted for your season long uh, league goes down and and now you're F for the rest of the year. So it's not fun anymore. You have to work a bunch of magic to be good still or whatever. And so daily gives you that freedom of being able to like build a super team or whatever. But I will also say that it kind of takes the, the, the fun of feeling like an actual GM away too. Like I enjoy the concept of like trying to look two or three weeks ahead in the season long one and planning and picking a guy up and putting him on the bench and all that kind of stuff. So all that is gone with daily. I feel for me, it felt much more just like straight up gambling than like fun fun fantasy football. I mean, I feel like the whole, the whole thing of that, it's like, it's just straight up. Like 
no commitment fantasy. Get your fill right away. Maybe get some, make some money out of it. Like the fantasy football takes like a whole season of like you just. I mean, you're basically just slugging it out at one point. You're like, I can't believe I still have to like decide if I'm going to start. Uh, Darren Sproles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're. Really, you're, you're yeah, you both are like really into the long game aspect of fantasy football. Then the uh, the GM yeah, aspect. I, I think the short game. Yeah, it. from from my lineup and that kind of stuff, I am. Although the interesting thing with daily is that you're not you're not building just a super team. Like the because the problem is is like if you have a really dope team. Well, so does like a nine million other people have a really dope team. And so the way that they break that up or the way that they deal with that is like is like by like risk is awarded. So like if you pick a guy who goes off but hasn't been that good, that has more value than a guy who is just always good. You know what I mean? Like right, right, if you, right. if you yeah. start Aaron Rodgers and he goes off, well, so did everybody else. So it's no big deal. But if you pick uh you know, you pick, uh, you know, it's, uh, what's that guy who's the backup that you love so much for Arizona to make fun of? Stanton? Drew Stanton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if Drew Stanton is, is starting and I take him and he four, throws four touchdowns, I'm winning, period. Like, I'm going to win because of that. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of it. Like, a lot of guys when I was playing actually do start pretty terrible players. So it's not like the Darren Sproles go away or whatever. You just it's just a bigger gamble and you get really rewarded for it. That's cool. Yeah, like I, I think that like I don't have the patience to also do that. And let's let's like let me just put it out there right now for those who don't know. I actually don't play fantasy. I have a coach who does all the work <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I don't you're, even you're the Paul of fantasy football just just an owner who pays and stays out of it <laughs> exactly i just like i check it out every week i'm too busy like honestly i've been overseas like the last like three seasons completely out of it no way can i actually do actually run a team like effectively and i wasn't really good at in the first place even though i love to mention that i did win one uh, I so, think that was so is that is this the equivalent of like paying Xbox Live just to hold your avatar name in perpetuity? Yeah, I've, I've wondered you're just that. like paying your annual membership uh, just so your your name that. doesn't get burned up in the league. I, I said that. I said that. I'm paying for the name. I said that. I said that. It's. Or I was thinking it was more similar to like paying someone to take care of your farm in Farmville. It's like yeah, it's like sta- right. stadium naming rights at this point only. It's like just so the team is named the freaking John Solos or whatever. Yeah, it's so hilarious. <laughs> I just think so you know hilarious. honestly what I think. No, it wasn't the Solos last year because I have uh, it was the Jazz Nerds. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But what I'm what I'm saying is that I believe that like at this point I'm trying to like I'm trying to be a trailblazer for what the next fantasy level will be, which is there is actual owners and then coaches. Although I have to say last year when I, when I was on tour with this other band, the, the uh, bass player, he, he plays fantasy and football and it was the summertime and we started, he loves baseball. So we talked a lot about the Mariners and he's a Rangers fan. So we, we talked a lot about that, but then every once in a while, 
we talk about football and I was like, you know, do you play fantasy? And then like, he's like, Oh yeah, I play fantasy to you. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And then, then at one point I was like, Oh, but you know, I actually don't do anything. I have a coach. <laughs> and he honestly thought that was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever heard of in his life. Yeah, because it is he the most ridiculous thing anyone has ever heard of. You have a fantasy it's... butler, basically. Yeah, you do. Have a fantasy <laughs> butler. <laughs> it's so sweet, though. Like, because every week, like, my coach emails me. He's like, "What do you think? Should I start this guy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Because I don't even really you get know. one decision a week. Can... Nice. He gives you yeah. he gives you one decision a week. And it's just, well, it's he the tries. Kicker. He lets him choose the kicker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He tries to include me. We do so. We do the draft together. Oh, we always do the so draft. Funny. But he, so you he know what? I do. Like, I do the draft myself too. And I do the coaching no. each no, week you myself. You no, I said we do the. No, well, yeah, me and auto yeah. draft you my draft. You're right. <laughs> By the way, yeah, Chisler's auto draft, auto draft the first pick like three years in a row. Um, all with an amazing internet way. connection. Somehow it always flakes out just at that one moment only. <laughs> I haven't figured it out. No, I, I, what I'm saying is I actually do I do draft with my coach. Like, we go on Skype, and we we do it together, and then, like, you know, the rest of the season, he pretty much takes go, takes over. And But the thing is, every week, I got the app. I read all the emails. I sometimes chime in. And then on game day, when I'm wherever I'm at, generally overseas, I, like, get to look at it and, like, follow along and play along, and I feel like I'm right there. I feel like an actual owner. You guys are, like, coaches. You aren't fantasy owners. You're fantasy coaches. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, you I'm, need to get... I'm Jerry Jones. I'm the owner. I'm way too involved. I'm the coach. I'm, I tinker. I meddle with everything. I, I'm... <laughs> you guys are all Jerry Jones. <laughs> I'm like Michael Kraft, dude. Well, late. Kraft's dead now, right? Is it... Oh, no, he's alive. What am I saying? Who, who's the uh, Pittsburgh or the Steelers... Oh yeah, yeah, craft. Yeah, no craft, right? It was craft, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into anyway. I just, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought, thought that was good. Uh, No, I like it. I like it. All right. Well, now that we're talking football, like, uh, I mean, Crest, you were talking about some topics, and we were saying let's talk about Bevel uh, and how he's doing with the offense. well, I just I, I thought it would be an interesting topic. It's only maybe one of the few things we haven't really talked about in the Seahawks so far. But but Bevel is such a polarizing guy for the Hawks. You know, he's how many years has he been our our offensive coordinator now? Four. Yeah, four or five years now. Um, and I four feel, or five years, I feel yeah. like he gets horrendous blame. He gets constant hate. He's like the butt of Seahawks jokes, except for that we keep being good and obviously well anyway so i thought it would be interesting to get our perspectives on bevel and what i guess what you want or what you think of him in the future what you want and think of the way he calls games well you're already talking what do you think let's go all right all right so I, <laughs> the one um, time, the one you're gonna ask him to, you're gonna ask him to talk when we never get a word in yeah, twice. Right, Come yeah, on, yeah. Uh, that, oh, uh, I was just starting to gear up there. Okay, no, yeah, you go first. Chis. Or maybe we should go. Well, yeah, it's Chisler, you go first. Actually, <laughs> you, you were the one. You're the only one who's really mentioned him in the podcast, and you were talking about him or Cable. Like everyone's in one of those two camps. 
So, and you said you were in the cable camp. So, so lay it on me. What? What? How's your bevel breakdown? I think it all starts with the bar that we have for the Seahawks, which is so incredibly high, right? So, this is all in the context of a team that has gone to two so- Super Bowls under Bevel, has gone to every playoff under Bevel, and has really won and lost, you know, these games in the playoffs under duress. And you can, anyway, we've had a tremendous amount of success under Bevel. So this is with that in mind. We we have a, a really high bar. But there are some genuine criticisms, I think, that you can make of Bevel. And I want to start by tearing the man down before we ever build him up. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> right? This is juicy. <laughs> we got to tear him down a little bit. We, d- we definitely right. have to talk about the opening game plan, scripted game plan that the Hawks use that almost consistently, without fail, falls flat on its face every game. We come out with a mm-hmm. scripted set of downs, and we can't fucking stay on schedule. The game, the offense falls apart. The offense gives it up in like two or three, you know, <clears throat> two or three sequ- sequences in a row, and we score far- five points, three points in the first half. I mean, <clears throat> we got to be more flexible than that bevel. And that, that, I mean, that is so consistent, we have to pin that one on him, right? Can we all agree on that? Oh, definitely. I mean, they always start out slow. And I, I can't tell if it's the players or the, or the, the scheme or the game plan. I, I never know what it is. It definitely seems like they're never flexible enough to get off of the game plan in order to pick, pick it up. So I have to put, <laughs> yeah. that, I have to put that on Bevel. Right. Well, hold up. He's not done, with, he's not done though. You're not done with your point, though, right? I know, but I will, no, I, I'm I asking for feed, feedback right point. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so on that specific point, one, every single team in the NFL scripts their first drive. So that's that's normal. Like that's that's how every team does it. No teams get off their script, no matter what happens. That's the just, first half. They don't so, adjust in a half. No, 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 no. Just the no, no, no. I'm just talking about their first opening. It's usually 15 plays. Your first opening 15 plays are scripted, and almost nobody gets off of those scripted 15 The Hawks repeat, now, the Hawks repeat them until but, they get through it, it seems like. It's so weird. Okay, well, well hold on. Hold on. So then my, uh, my other point of, their, of that is that there was a season where Russell was insanely hot, and they did jump out. I think it was Russell's third year. They were on fire offensively, and Baldwin, or fourth year, Baldwin was like unstopped. Him and ba- Russ, him and Baldwin were really hot for a little while, and they were jump out really hot in the games and early. The weird one for me, where I think your point is really true, is there's been a handful in the Bevel years, there's been a handful of maybe eight games, and as soon as I say this, you're all going to remember, like, you're going to have the emotion of remembering this, where that scripted playset for some reason, didn't involve Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Like, they would come out and run, like, six pass plays in a row. Yeah. Or, like, a fullback dive. and Just call a run play. Oh, my three. God. And you'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Or, or what it would really be is Lynch would get the ball on first down right off the bat and get, like, six yards and then not get another carry oh on the first Oh, my God. Drive. And it would just make no sense. And so that's where I agree. I think Bevel's 
the 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 opening like scripted slow start part for me was always when they just didn't give Lynch the ball. If they were giving Lynch the ball and it was just a really good defensive play, then I understood why we were slow. But those games where they just like thought they were going to get cute and run like bubble screens to Jermaine Curse to get blown up for one yard when they didn't hand off, that's where I agree. So go ahead again, Shiz. No, that's perfect. Exactly. That's just more nuanced to the idea that the scripted plays have some... Pevel has some responsibility there. So you're saying it's on the actual plays themselves, and I'm saying it's on the flexibility to move away from it, which, uh, you know, is debatable, I guess. Uh, Okay, so another point in order to knock Bevel down, you know, a little bit, I think we have to call out his ineffectiveness to deal with Russell when he couldn't do the read option. Like, for some reason, the Seahawks have a tremendous reliance on the read option. And I'd say that this has manifested itself in a couple different ways. We saw it in the difficulty in the in, to integrate Jimmy Graham into the offense because of the like reliance on the read option and where Jimmy fits into that and dealing with Russ when he was hurt when he wasn't able to do it and the just when we had the defense could focus in on the run game they just could just they could kind of get through you know destroy our offensive line so i think that's his his next flaw what do you what do you think to that so this so i'm going to harken back to another episode to make a comparison of this so that that's a fallacy to me that's just not true so the fascinating thing is that when there was when when the read option and all that crap was hot as hell in the NFL a couple years ago, the Hawks didn't do it the most. Not even close. They were like fifth most or something. They were just the most successful at it. When they did oh, it, yeah, they were yeah. good at it. But they didn't but they didn't do it nearly as much as a lot of other okay. teams did. And their running game, at least with Lynch, their running game was never based on the read option. The read option is just one package that they use. It's just a really successful one. But they have been more successful when it's Lynch in a read and cutback type thing. Like, think of all the times where everything's flowing to the left and he would cut it back to the right. Most of, almost none of that. I don't know. I think, I think if Russell gets like 100 yards running on five or six read option plays a game, that changes the whole dynamic of the, the run game. Oh, yeah, but 100 yards, that never, that, that's pretty Well, there was a season where he got 800 yards rushing. So he was. I know. And that, that was, that was a fair amount of read option. And he was fastly, he's successful at it. But it's not the base of their running game, is what I'm saying. Like that's not that's no, not. No, it's a, it's like, it's they a weapon. Not call themselves a read option all right, all right. team. It's just a package. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's my point. But and <clears throat> and uh, and I one thing I was listening to this episode yesterday, I think, or something. But in one of the episodes, you said that Aaron Rodgers was a mobile running quarterback until he got injured. But, but here's yeah. a great example. Aaron Rodgers is not a running quarterback. He's a scrambling quarterback. They do not call running plays for Aaron Rodgers ever, ever. 
there is not a drawn-up running play. Where there is drawn-up running plays for Cam Newton and for Russell Wilson, although less for Russell Wilson than you think, but, but Aaron Rodgers is a scrambling quarterback. He's not part of the running game there, ever. And so you may were making the point that that made Eddie Lacy better. And I, I disagree with that because he's just not he's not a part of the running game. He's just a scrambling quarterback who's good at that. Where Russ is. Well, all right. If you no, want to twist no, it around that, like that, let me true. defend myself. But what, God, candy cane <laughs> my argument, like just but, but start Bevel, twisting it with Bevel, the different colors. But Bevel, candy caning it over but there. Bevel calls Russ as an actual part of the offense. And yeah, so Be- Bevel, Bevel get back to Bevel, please. I think that's going to happen less and less and less because of Russ's injury issues. And it already was happening less even before he got hurt. I think the read option is kind of slowly going away out of the offense. It's just that they want to run the ball, and that was it was somewhat successful. Yeah, and he was younger. But I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see the read option go away. Yeah. is what I'm saying. I agree with that. I don't. I think last year they were slow. I mean, obviously after the energy injury that he had, but even before that, they he's yeah, always said he wanted to be a pocket passer. He wanted to be a legit quarterback. Even though that first year or first two years he was running around like crazy. Um, this is ultimately where they want to be. I think he's gonna become more. He's going to become more like mm-hmm. Rodgers. He's going to become a scrambler. Yeah, he's going to have that, manu- that maneuverability. Place for him. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Okay. Now that we're talking about Bevel, I mean, we got to bring it up. Well, the last play of the Super Bowl against uh, well, the Patriots. Re- really quick, let me say that I think the Seahawks fan base, one of the reasons that Bevel gets so much crap is that Holmgren was so good. And so Bevel has been kind of the next successful offensive coordinator. And I know that I personally compare him to Holmgren all the time. Holmgren was the head coach, but he called all the plays. So he was the offensive mastermind. He's the best offensive coach the Hawks have ever had, in my opinion. Uh, And so I constantly am kind of comparing Bevel to Holmgren. And I think that he's garbage compared to Holmgren. But I do think that one thing that is great about Bevel is he stays consistent to who he is. Now, I think that that's probably Pete making him do that, but he stays consistent to who he is. Well, I think that... Which a lot a lot of offensive coordinators don't. They, like, flip-flop all over the place. I think he's saying that he's garbage to, compared to Holmgren. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a stretch. I mean, because Holmgren didn't win a Super Bowl with, with the Seahawks. No, but he didn't have as good a defense. His offense was way better. I mean, his offense was amazing. From from a from a from a football X's and O's standpoint. Yeah. Like their offense was was better than our offense has is been under yeah. Pete for sure. They he he just didn't have. But they didn't as score. Defense. They didn't we, score any points in the Super Bowl that they zero. lost comparatively to Bevel's offense uh, did they, against they, Denver. They yeah, they. They scored some, but they played a much better defense than Bevel's offense did. Yeah, but but, but the Seahawks scored like 48 points or something like that, right? Sure, on a bunch of turnovers. They got interceptions and defensive No, they scored a lot of touchdowns. There was like offensive touchdowns in that. Late, late. But once Denver was broken and gave up, remember it was 8-0 after four drives. I'm just saying garbage is a strong word to say. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing. <coughs> okay, what about this? What about this? Let's bring it back to a real world uh, example. Uh, Seahawk fan would would acknowledge that Holmgren was a much better offensive play caller than Bell. All right. Much, much better. Let's bring it back to a world, real world example with Bevel and what's going on, like an area where there's legitimate criticism, right? Yes. Why are you calling these screen pass plays with Curse over and over and over again last season when Curse got a foul, yeah. a flag every single time? For blocking, for not doing the right, you know, for not selling the route. And it happened game in, game out in the first scripted plays. And it was just incredibly frustrating that he I wouldn't move away I from the I can't tell no if that was like issue. in practice they were nailing it every time or it, it always worked. But then as soon as the game happened, because, yeah, it, it seemed like it was a lot that that kept happening. And it wasn't working. So I'm not sure. What do you think, Rusty? Do you think it was like in their game plan they already worked it out? And- well, from a... <clears throat> They were calling him on the goal line. They I were calling him in the first scripted plays. Yeah. And it was just like curse every time. I hate anything that go as far as a pass play. I hate anything that goes laterally in the red zone. I want things downfield. I don't want anything to this. I don't want to be throwing at the sidelines yeah. in the red zone. It makes no sense. Unless that is downfield and at the sidelines. Yeah. You know, like six yards. But I don't want to be throwing a pass in the backfield. and Those corner routes. Never yeah. Well, but 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 yes, they have. Not That's when you have Russell, is, yes, who can spin have. around. Here's the thing with screen passes from a from an X's and O's standpoint: is that when you are a run, when you're in a successful running team and a run heavy team, then the defense has to bring guys down into the box. Right? They have to get in that extra linebacker. They have to walk the safety down, and by doing that, there is less protection deep on the outside. So meaning that if you can throw a super fast screen pass, and the one thing with a screen pass is it's a high percentage to complete the ball, right? Like you're not going to have an incomplete pass. They're going to catch it. Now they might get blown up for a one-yard loss right when they catch it, but for the most part, they're going to catch it. And so the idea is, is that if you can get a screen pass and get it completed and they can make the corner miss, there's no safety to help. Because the safety might be rolled up, and hopefully you've lined your receivers up to the one side that makes the other safety roll the other way. Yeah, and they're so five it's, yards it's, back. The thing with the screen pass is it's like a draw play. The thing with the screen pass is it's a big gamble. It's either going to go huge, it could be a touchdown, and we've scored plenty of touchdowns and huge plays on long screen passes that have just worked. Or it gets blown up. There's very little, like, middle ground. Like, you're not going to have very many, like, seven-yard screen passes. It's going to be, like, negative two yards or, like, 35 yards. And so it's it's just a big gamble. That's why I don't like Thomas Rawls either. I don't like Rawls at the screen pass. Either is Sherman, apparently. That's right? not. That's not. I don't have confidence in that play. So I like. I like Lacy oh, there get better. Get out of here with Lacy. I like Lacy, Lacy can't there better. Catch the ball worth the damn. It's gonna bounce off Lacy's face mask. He can't count catch the ball. Is that what they say? I hate EddieLacy.com. But I, I let. I will say this: Look, uh, the screen pass thing is not a bevel thing. That's an NFL thing. Not every team. There's lots of teams that don't. But the Patriots throw more screen passes than any team in the NFL. The Patriots and the Saints throw the most. I gotta go fact check that one. 
at one point. Do it. No, I'm not. It's not even close. Go fact check the number of screen passes the Patriots throw against the Seahawks. I guarantee it's almost double. So it's not. It's. Oh, yes, it's it a fact check guarantee. It's not about. I, <laughs> it's not about the screen pass. It's about execution. You have to do it right, and they just don't do it right. Okay, so I gave I gave my criticisms of Bevel. Do you have any criticisms outside of those that you want to? I would say, mention before we I would get to his positives or move on. I haven't said yet about Bevel is that I think, or I I'm a big believer that he does what Pete tells him. I just I don't think he argues with Pete enough. I don't think he speaks his mind enough. I think there are times when Pete just says do this and he does that. And 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 I and I, and I don't think Pete, while he's incredible. I don't think Pete is a brilliant offensive mind. He's a defensive guy. And so I think that I would I wish that Bevel would would bust out a little bit more and say, no, Pete, that's not the right thing to do here. I think he's too much he's of a, a bit yes of a man. yes man. Now that keeps him safe because if they mess up, it's Pete's fault, not his or whatever. Yeah. But I think he needs to bust out a little more. All right. Well, you definitely said your piece with Bevel. I believe Chisler covered Bevel. Let me tell you what I think. Okay, go for it. I'm I'm well, yours. I keep going back to, I keep going back to the Super Bowl. We didn't you know, I keep trying to bring that up. The one play that everybody has graded Bevel on basically since. And I feel like that has tarnished a lot of everybody's attitude towards him. What if what if you would have caught that ball and they scored cleanly? I don't think there'd be we've been talking about exactly. it right now. I think it would just be like, oh yeah, he's great. No, there. I think there would still be people who think that's the wrong call. But you would have won, so it would have been momentary talk and swept under the rug, and no one. Would yeah, it wouldn't have been talked about ever again. I, I argue that regardless of whether or not it's the right call or not, it was a terrible throw. Whoa! To me, that's on Russ. That was a horrible throw. It was, and he admits he talks about how he he, he I said blamed that it on right him afterwards. Yeah, because that that throw was there. There was a touchdown there. He had to put it on the backside. Back yeah, he had to put it on the backside. The defender was coming full steam from the front mm-hmm. side. You got to put that ball on the backside. You can't lead mm-hmm. him in that situation. It was a terrible throw, and Russ would say No, he oh did. He said right away. And he did say Lockett got did. so pinned out of there, and Curse whiffed on no. the block. There was all sorts of mayhem on that. I can't put it on anybody, but, but one person like that. It, regardless, the, regardless of what happened in I can't that do play, it, Cressy. If the ball, If the ball arrives at the exact same moment that it arrived... Half a yard back on it his wouldn't have been hit. a touch. That's it wouldn't have been a touchdown. He wouldn't have been in yes, the end zone. Yes, it would have. Yes, no, go look at go I look guarantee. at it. He was like he was a half a yard go out when it. he got Cause, hit because the defender because the defender was going for the ball. Even if he would have hit him, he's going to hit him on the front side. He's going to be lo- reaching back for the ball on his back hip, which means his motion is already already going away from the hit. He would have rolled off of it. And <laughs> awesome, Cressy's a scientist. He's got oh my god! Down. I want to. I no, want that diagrammed just, in a court I've of law. I want that before. like with little pins in a in a cork board, plus, a little some plus, like tape on the well, ground. Here, here's the thing. 
fine. Even if it's not a oh, touchdown. Yeah. They still have Yeah, it. exactly. Even if it's not, not a, a touchdown, touchdown, you would have had the ball in the one you would have had the ball in the one inch line. If it's not, not a touchdown. touchdown. With another play to run. And all definitely right, well, not. I'll, Russ could have saved. Russ could have I, fixed I, the whole situation, but know. it's not on him. He wasn't the only one who made a mistake. That's all I'm saying. He could have worked around everybody else's mistake by perhaps throwing the ball at a really weird spot where nobody would ever want to think or think to throw it. But no, the correct spot, the right. Well, spot. Uh, it's not a weird spot. The right spot. He would say that. Or. Or pump it, see that it's not open, because it's not open. The throw he threw was not open. It wasn't yeah. there. It was yeah. a bad throw. So pump it and throw it out of the back of the end zone. Like just throw it away yep. and play and go again the next down. You know yeah. what I mean? Like well, much easier he could have saved it. <laughs> yeah, he could have saved it in that split second, but it's not on him to do that. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he makes twenty million dollars. That's his job, is to say. Ooh, he didn't make twenty million then. No, but I'm serious. No, but that's why. I mean, but that quarter. That's why quarterbacks are quarterbacks. Like that's why it's the most important job. Bevel made more money than rested at that time. I think it's on Bevel. Oh, it's not. It was Pete made more than Bevel. So it's on Pete. I wish. Now let me say, I wish they would have ran the ball. But I don't think it's as bad a call as everybody else does. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Bevel right has call, some blood on his it hands, was, admit it. And, and there's no way if that's going to wash off in the fans' book. He can't wash off the blood of well, that, that's play. What, that, that That was my argument is at this point, it's like, there's so much talk about Bevel, which I never, nobody even, did people even talk about <laughs> offensive coordinators ever? Like, it's like all of a sudden this is like a topic, you know? Oh, yeah. No, offensive coordinators have always been the offensive coordinators are like the most hated or loved guy on like yeah. many many teams. That they're always someone's got to take the fall. Well, anyway, what do you guys think? Tonight's the NBA Finals starts in a few hours. Let's look quickly talk about it. I mean, I'm pretty excited. I gotta say, I don't know why. I really am. <laughs> so, so Chisler predicted in some text messages, I believe. That Durant is going to be the MVP. Of no, this not finals. me. That was me. I said that was me. That, oh, that was yeah. you. Sorry. Solo said that. I think it'll be yeah. Curry. I think Curry's about to go off. I think Curry's about to have the best series he's ever had in any game, in any uh, series in basketball. And I feel like Chisler said LeBron, or that the Cavs are going to win, so it would be LeBron, right? Chis? Yeah, I, I'm sticking to uh, my theory about uh, Killer Instinct. I went through that pretty well last episode. In fact, I got a lot of feedback in the comments and from you know some text messages from other people saying what a good theory that was um, and that I was really on point with that. So uh, perhaps that's another one that we can put down in the Wizard of Washington Sports record book but uh i thought i thought solo and i proved that point was was pure yeah yeah you know what it helps to broaden the spectrum (laughs) that's all i'm saying once you put the conversation out there you know people of uh like mind come out of the woodwork to to say that you did a good job so (laughs) yeah clearly lebron is Clearly, LeBron is the best player on the court in this final. There's no question about that. I've had a couple of days to think about this, and I'm actually going, I'm swaying a little bit. I'm pulling a little crusty here right now. I'm going to say that 
it might go to it might go to seven games. However, I do think I think if I had to like really give it my strong opinion is Golden State's going to win in four, four to two. But um, I don't know when Chisler was talking about how you know LeBron has Six. that like killer instinct, and I started really thinking about it. And then I was watching the other day something popped up on uh, on the internet. I saw a whole uh, montage of of LeBron making incredible plays in the playoffs since 2006 or seven or something like that, like every year. And it was incredible. That guy has made last second shots year in and year out or something happening in the playoffs all the time, whatever it is. And it did make me realize that guy knows how to win. He's a winner too, for sure. And I think uh, it, it made me go, you know what, actually Kyrie Irving's kind of playing good right now too. it, it could be interesting, and who knows? Golden State has all the momentum, but they could choke like again, like they did last year. So I'm, I, that's why I'm excited now. Because at first I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a blowout." That was They're a historic choke. Let's just let's just call it for what it was. Historic yeah. choke. You know what? Those things burn themselves in more than you think. You overcome yeah. them. It's, it's more than likely minds, that yeah. it burns itself in in a negative way more than the idea that they overcome it. Come on. Mm-hmm. Or 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 it becomes or it becomes the most motiva- motivating thing ever. Yeah, and statistically, I, that, it's like why, two, three to one my way. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. You can get care. one in four. I don't like statistics. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Curry is going to come in with that taste of what happened and just shoot the lights. And what out happens when LeBron matches so, him shot for shot, and he realizes that his best oh, is can, just as good as the other guys? That that's Melted. fine because the other three guys on his team, the LeBron's other three guys and and uh, Curry's other three guys don't match up. So if LeBron matches Curry shot for shot. The rest of Curry's team is going to destroy LeBron. I hope that's not. Um, so LeBron. That's LeBron where the refs has come to in. Match shot for shot for like three. That's where the refs team. come in, and they do just enough they to Golden State to make it so that it's even, and then it goes to Game Seven, and boom. So Chis- Chisler brought up an interesting perspective. We were all talking about our kind of. You know, the, the, you always have that, like, Mount Rushmore decision so or conversation. So, like, the best NBA players of all time or whatever. And I and then Solo said, you know, we were talking and we said, you know, it'd be kind of fascinating if you could pl- pick one player and plop them onto a finals team. You know, if you looked at both of these teams, we keep talking that Curry's team is like a super team with Durant and, uh, and uh, Clay Thompson. And Draymond. You know, they're, they're just, they're so... And Draymond, they're so deep. Now, Kyrie, I agree, Solo. Kyrie is playing out of mm-hmm. his mind. He's playing great basketball as well. And it's and they're in the finals. Obviously, yeah. they're a good team. They're, they're a good team. But if you could kind of plop someone from history to make the, either one of these teams, like, perfect. And I don't know necessarily who I would put on the Cavs. But, but could you imagine putting Dennis Rodman on Golden State? Yeah. But they have Draymond, just, right? Just let those. I know, but 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 give Draymond also Rodman, and just say take the best rebounder in basketball history on that team of shooters, 
and then just let them fire away. And just That's let a good Rodman one. I like that. Rebound and dish stuff out. Rebound, dish out, rebound, dish out. I, I mean, the amount of offensive rebounds he would add to that team, they would be unstoppable. It would be like, like playing that, a shot with a designated rebounder. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Personally, I, when you when we play this game, I'm just like, yeah, put Jordan on both teams. You know, like I mean that that's the way to go. But it, if you want to go legit offense and have players player positions, Jordan you're right. On that, both teams, yeah. So I mean, whatever. Like, who, what team would make them better? Well, see, you put I Jordan think- on anybody, they're gonna be better. <laughs> I think Jordan guard Jordan. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if you because in this concept, you have to keep the stars that are okay. Already yeah. Well, yeah. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure Jordan would be a good fit. It's for about Golden filling State. the hole on the team. Take two, yeah, yeah. It's about. Yeah. Like, there's already too many guys who are amazing at scoring and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You'd want like you want like someone who's the best defensive player, like Gary Payton, who is an incredible defensive. Player. Well, it's easy for me on but the Cavs. On the Cavs, I would want somebody who's like a distributor, a passer, but also could be a shooter. So I'd maybe go with like an Iverson or a. Stockton or something like that, Ooh, like somebody who's like Stockton. I distributes yeah. the, distributes Stockton. the ball. Stockton would be dope. Although it's yeah. kind of like Dwayne yeah. Wade. Iverson Dwayne Wade role is like player. Iverson role. Wade would be amazing. I mean, we've already seen him play with <laughs> LeBron wildly successfully. Yeah. Well, either way, I think it's going to be exciting. Um, we'll see how this pans out. It's going to be a good finals. Yeah, I, I hope it's a good finals. Even even if Golden State, what I think is going to happen is that the Golden State's going to win like the first three games. Cavs win one, then Golden State finishes them off. But but if that happens, at least I hope that every game is a good game. Like there's no blowouts. Yeah. Like they win, you know, last second shots. Even if Golden State wins them all, I think that I just hope that they're good competitive games. Yeah. What do you well, think about this wrap- concept? Wait, one more, one more thought. So, okay. um, I, I struggle with these two teams in particular to think the coach has anything to do with the outcome of this series. These two coaches, uh, these two yeah. coaches, and these two teams—they've just been through them. Like they just pick a coach or has an injury or this or that. So all these different people have been at the helm of these two teams over the years. And it's really the players and what they're, you know, how much effort they're putting out on the court, I feel like. I agree from LeBron, or with the Cavs, I agree. I think with Golden State, I, I think he's a big part of it. I, I really do. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, Phil Jackson was famous as a coach, not, well, for his triangle offense, but more for, for managing superstar egos and stuff. He was the coach who could actually make it all work together. And I feel like Golden State's coach is the same way. He's just good at, like, managing these guys. And, and you have an all-star team, basically. You have to have a good coach that just kind of, like, keeps everyone balanced. So maybe not from as much in X's and O's. Yeah, but these guys all chose well, to be honest, there. Look, so it's not like they got drawn yeah. in from all walks of life. It's like they picked it. It wasn't like the old days. So it's not a hard sell. And let's be honest, though, that LeBron is the coach. Exactly. The I mean, he's the GM and the coach. Nice. Yeah, definitely. So- sooner or later, he'll be the owner. <laughs> LeBron is not only, like, the GM, the coach, but he's also the mayor of the city. He He's the governor <laughs> of Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His whole, the whole... 
You've seen that um, YouTube video back in the day about like talking about Cleveland. It was like a really funny music video, like a song about Cleveland. And it was like one of the lines was their whole economy is based off LeBron James. <laughs> I do feel like That's I do funny. feel like Cleveland is still in that zone. Like I don't know. Have you guys ever been there? I've been there many times. It's uh, it's all about LeBron. I have not. I've never been in the. It's on state. my bucket list, so but no, I haven't been there. I don't know if it needs to be on your bucket list. But, uh. <laughs> I was shocked when I learned how big of cities they are. Like Cincinnati and Cleveland are humongous. No, Ohio does have tiny. a lot of roller coasters. Well, no, I envision them like like Lincoln, Nebraska, but they their populations are huge comparatively. Like I think of them as like farm towns in the middle. No, of yeah, no, there's they're, cities. They're like big. There's definitely cities. There's Seattle. I mean, they're bigger than Portland and as big as Seattle. Uh, well, yeah, but I don't think Seattle's very big. But that's because I live in New York, so I guess that's my uh, that's my problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you live in the biggest city in America. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like Cle- Cleveland, like when you go in there, like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a tiny town. I'm not knocking it. I actually don't mind it there. It's just Cleveland and Detroit both have this kind of lull over it that you just like as soon as you get there, you kind of want to get out. Anyway, let's wrap this up, guys. I mean, I'm really tired. I'm jet lagged. Chisler's in the middle of his work day. He's like tripping. All right, let me finish up with one, one, one really quick Krusty's uh, beer review thing again, and then we'll get out of here. One little sport, non-sports thing at the end. Um, this one's not going to be about any specific brewery or anything, but my favorite style of beer. Uh, a lot of different styles in America right now. We're we're starting to brew a lot of German beers, all these different styles. But my favorite style of beer is I feel like one that most people don't drink and don't even try. And that is called barley wine. Um, I'm a really, really big lover. I love sour beers as well, but non-sour beer, I love barley wine. And so barley wine is the the booze of, of the beer world. Um, so you have pale ale. Go up in alcohol and hops, you get to IPA. Take an IPA, go up in alcohol and hops, you get to an imperial IPA. Then you go up in alcohol a lot, and you get to a barley wine. And barley wines are aged for a really long time, typically typically in oak barrels or, or wood barrels. And they're just a big, boozy, sipping, rich, sweet. Even though they have a ton of hops in them, they're sweet and malty. Uh, beer and i just really encourage people to to try a barley wine if you've never had one before especially now we're going into summer but in the winter in the fall and winter it's a really great sit next to a fire or after a day of skiing or something and sip a barley wine they're big chewy beer typically they're gonna get up into the like 12 11 12 14 percent alcohol type range um and damn 11 12 percent that's ridiculous yeah, I mean, they get bigger than that even, even. but uh, but a couple to steer people to to try first. Uh, actually, Solo, I know you like Goose Island. Yeah. Goose Island makes one called Bourbon, Bourbon County Barley Wine, nice. which is a great barley wine. So if you can find that through Goose Island, which is pretty widely distributed. Uh, Stone out here on the West Coast, Stone Brewing is a pretty hugely successful, successful brewery. They have one called Old Guardian which is a really fantastic barley wine. And then one of my all-time favorite bar- barley wines is from Firestone Walk- uh, Walker. Firestone Walker, great brewery. And they have one called Succuba, 
And Succuba is an absolutely amazing, beautiful barley wine. Um, and the biggest barley wine festival in the world <laughs> is up in Alaska. It's the Alaskan <laughs> Barley Wine Festival, something I have not gone to but dreamed to go to someday. But if you ever have a chance to be in Alaska and go to the Alaskan Barley Wine Festival, everything I've heard is it's like one of the best beer festivals. You can in America, get this deep so. fried uh, barley wine up there that's just crazy. You deep you deep fry it. It's so good. <laughs> deep fried barley wine, yeah. But no, get into the. There's also beers called wheat wines, which is like a wheat beer that's a barley wine style beer. But dive into barley wines and get a. So what kind of glass? Like what kind of glass so do you put a barley wine in? Oh yeah, for sure. So beer glasses is a big deal to beer nerds like myself. So you are gonna want what I will describe as a chalice. Like picture a guy that's a Viking. Holding something in his hand, and that's so what you basically, be barley wine basically, picture like, you right now. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. So yeah, barley. Any 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 high alcohol beer, all high alcohol beers should be drinking like a goblet is maybe even a better word, like like the Harry Potter goblet or whatever. That's what you should Lord be drinking. Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Game of Thrones goblets is what you should right. And the point there, the point there is that barley wine and big alcohol beers are very aromatic. There's a lot going on. And so you yeah. want a big wide mouth to the glass. You don't want like a little skinny top to it or whatever, like a regular pint glass. That sounds delicious. I'm in you know, I'm in England, basically England right now, and I'm 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 drinking the tr- Which is tr- where barley wine came traditional from. Traditional Grolsch. Grolsch. Have you had a Grolsch before? Now it's Holland. Oh God, I've had. That's Holland. Yeah, that's a Danish. Here's the funny thing: you can buy mini kegs. You can buy little mini kegs of Grolsch in America, and like tap a little keg. They have them at most grocery stores. Everybody thinks it's actually good here. That's the funny part. It is. It's a terrible. Yeah, no. beer. Well, let's. Well, in Europe, you got to understand. You, you, you're going to hear me talk about a lot of beers now that are just not that exciting. And you, you know, I go to try to get a beer, and it's like Cronenberg and Grolsch and Peronis. They don't really know anything about the beer culture yet. It's funny though. They're, they're trying. They, they're. So let let. Very last thing. So I, I'll, I'm done. I'll stop. Wait, I know we want to end. Um, while you're out there, find a Baltic porter. Baltic porter. That's that that that's a style of beer, like IPA or whatever. Um, there's lots of breweries that make them out there, but find a Baltic right. porter, especially if you get into Eastern, if you get into Eastern Europe, like German Germany or Czech okay, or any other area, find a Balt a, a Baltic porter. Uh, one brewery is Oakchim, and then there's one called Black Box Porter. That is my favorite. O K O C. That's Oka- That's Okachim. I've had that beer. Okachim. It's Polish. Okay, well, that's a brewery. That's a brewery. They make a whole bunch of different types of beer. But they have one that is a Baltic porter. Mm. Baltic porter is a lagered, super high alcohol porter. And they are amazing. I love it. That's them. awesome. If you find Black Boss Black Boss Porter, which is made in Czech, in the Czech, uh, that's my favorite Baltic porter. And it is dope. It is so nice. Good. Great, guys. Well, I think we had a nice one tonight, actually. Party on. Yeah, we covered some good stuff. I'm just happy this happened. Yeah, it's actually nice to see you guys. I was in... 
Yeah, right? I was in an eight, or with the concept of eight weeks, I was like in depression. I was like, I think we went eight depressed. days. <laughs> and even with this like eight hour time difference right now, it'll be nine hours very soon once I get further into Europe. Uh, we still made it happen. It's yeah. late here though. I'm tired. I gotta, I got stuff to do. I'm still jet lagged like crazy. I just got here on Sun, uh, Monday morning. Yeah, that's so. crazy. Way to make it happen, though. All right. Well, I appreciate the effort, Solo. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Thank you. you too. Well, uh, let's talk soon. Go Hawks. So, listeners, <laughs> go Hawks. Listeners, listeners, get on there. Give us some five star reviews. Tell us where you're listening from. Let us know where you where you're getting it from. And, we know where uh, it's coming from, Dean. You know, and spread the word. We want to keep it's more fun for us, especially if Solo's working so hard to do this. Uh, that that we know people are listening. That's so. true. All right, guys. We'll have a good one. Later. Take it easy. Later.